This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. Today's message is called Trusting Father. And I want to really prepare us for next week, our prayer and fasting. And in U.S. Today, there was a, a recent article that I heard about and I went and looked at and it, it took a cross-section, it took four different areas of the United States and they asked, what is your view of God? And it was done by the uh, Gallup, so it was a, a poll. And it was very detailed, it was 77 different questions that were asked and Baylor University interpreted this and they came up with actually four different areas of the view of Americans that we have of God. And uh, the, the first one was that he is authoritarian. He is uh, an angry God, uh, that he's just holding back the lightning bolt from zapping all of us. And that's the majority of the nation. In fact, 31.3% nationwide believe that. And then here in the South, our region, the South region, which it, it surprised me, 43% of the people here believe that, that God is angry uh, and he is so upset and he's just waiting to zap us and take us out. And really, uh, when I, I hear the word authoritarian, uh, that's a negative connotation to me. And does, yes, he does have authority, all authority in heaven and earth has been given unto him. But to me, and just the way I interpret that, it sounds like he's very heavy-handed and uh, he, he's just ready to, to punish. And yet, when we look at the life of Jesus Christ, we see something different. We see Jesus gave us a view of God that was so much different in that day and time and actually in this day and time it's completely different. And we need to understand how God really is where we can represent him well because we are his hands and feet in the earth. We represent the Lord Jesus Christ and so we need to have to represent him well that others will see and know him. And I even thought about even God sending Jesus as a baby. That doesn't sound like he's very heavy-handed right there, does it? Does that sound like he's, out, he's angry with us so he sent his son as a baby <laughs> to come and save us? And then when you realize that Jesus is an exact representation of, of God and we don't see Jesus zapping people. In fact, we see him getting on to his disciples who did want to zap some people. Interesting. So I want to look at Matthew chapter 6 for just a moment. And this is what Jesus said. And when he teaches on prayer, he's probably the best. And we need to listen to what he says. But I'm just going to look at part of this. It says, For your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. In this manner, therefore, pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now notice he didn't say pray 
to God or pray to our sovereign God, pray to mighty God. He said, pray to our Father. And when you think of the word Father, and, and we've looked at in the past that the very word Father, we derive the word family from it. That God is a God of family. He is a Father, and Father speaks of relationship. Father uh, is such an important view that we have of God, and Jesus is bringing this in. This is completely new to them, that God's a Father. Now, I'm a father, and I love, I love my kids. It's great to have my youngest son here, Joshua, in town since Tuesday. And that's wonderful. And, but, you know, I love my children. And it just expands my, my grandchildren. I, I claim them as my own. But you know something I've noticed as being a father is I love them whether they're naughty or nice. I love them if they're making mistakes or they're disobeying God or disobeying me, whatever. I still love them because love is not based on their performance. It's not based on what they do. It's based on who they are, a son and a daughter. Now, God is a much better father than I am or any earthly dad could ever be. He's a better father. How much more does he love us than the earthly father does? And he's perfect. Perfect love. And what's perfect love do? It casts out fear. He's a good father. So we, it's important that we get this revelation of who he really is. There's a couple of things that we have going against us. We have a sinful flesh. Have you noticed? I mean, we don't teach our kids to lie. They do it naturally. We don't teach them to be disobedient. They do it naturally. It comes easily. And then we have another thing going against us. is called our conscience. And our conscience, it, it can be a good thing, but the, do you know that your conscience can convict or condemn? And because we can feel condemned, we actually question God's love for us or we disqualify ourselves. But see, all we have to do is turn back to Father. And there's His blessing. There's His love. It's not based. And I tell you what, Let's just camp out there for a second. I can praise God all day long. That's not based on my performance. <laughs> that it's based on his love for me. Because God doesn't, you know, he, he doesn't get up in the morning as if he sleeps. He doesn't get up in the morning and goes, hey, Gabriel, you know what? I think I'm going to do some good today. Or he says, Gabriel, you know, I've had some bad thoughts today. But I'm not going to do them. No. He, he doesn't do good things. He is good. Do you see the difference? He is good. 
goodness flows from him because he is goodness. He doesn't have love. He is love. Jesus said, how can you call me good? There's only one that's good, and that's God. That's Father. He is good. And goodness flows out from him, and it's not based on our actions. It's based on who he is. And he loves us. Turn to your neighbor and say, he loves you. And that's the message we need to get to this, this world. The Bible says we call him Abba Father or Daddy God. Aren't you glad that he's a daddy? He's a daddy God. But there is a sign. If there is a kingdom, and we know there's the kingdom of God, there must be a king. And our father is a king. Now, a great king would provide for his people, and he would protect his people. And how many know that our Father's a great king? Our God is majestic, is mighty, powerful. He's an awesome God. The devil wants us to disconnect from God because we think he's out just to punish us. He's out just to judge us. Every time we mess up, there he is to clobber us. It's not God. If you did that to your own children, you'd be locked up for abuse. But God's not an abuser. But the enemy says, look, why don't you be your own king? Why don't you do your own thing? Why don't you look after yourself? Disregard what God says. You just be your own king. Build your own kingdom. And he wants you to disconnect from God. Because the enemy knows if you disconnect, he can take you out. He can still kill and destroy. That's for believers and unbelievers. Well, the devil is defeated. Yes, I know he is already a defeated foe. But see, it's in Christ that I can do all things through him who strengthens me. It's in Christ that I'm more than a conqueror. It's in Christ. And what do I mean in Christ? It means that I'm walking in the dominion of his kingdom. I can be saved and walk outside of the rule of his kingdom. And I can be stolen from. I can taste of destruction. Things can go bad for me. In James 4, 6, it says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning, your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. So we submit to him as king. It says, submit to God and resist the devil. You, your power to resist is in submitting to God because then the kingdom of God or the king of the kingdom backs you up. And when you speak in the name of Jesus, 
It's as if Jesus is declaring it, as if he is speaking it. But see, we've got to walk under dominion of his kingdom. We've got to do things his way. Submit to the king. Outside of Christ, or the rule of the kingdom, the devil will still kill and destroy. But in Christ, what do you mean in Christ? I'm talking about a surrender of your will. Humbling yourself, surrendering your will to his will, brings the dominion or the government of his kingdom in your life. And you're blessed. You are blessed. So this is in your notes. We all have to cross the line, or threshold, I should say, threshold of turning our will to trusting God's will. We have to cross over, and you have to make that decision. It's not uh, just a one-time deal. I like to do it at this time of year that... I'm submitting my will to his will. What he wants for my life, that's what I want. And I may not understand it. You know, have you heard, I remember hearing his will and he's talking about tithing. I go, what? No, it's not my will. But I had to submit to the king knowing he's my father and he loves me more than anyone else and has my best interest. If we really understand how much love he has for us, we would run to his will. We would run to obey his voice. Because he always, always has our best interest at heart. I was ministering to a man the other day who loves the Lord. He's going through turmoil in his life. And he's been divorced and he's looking at getting back together. And he... He said, I think we're going to move in together and try it out. Well, see, there's still a dominion rule kingdom. I, I, I don't care how popular our will is when our flesh says, I want to live with them now. Forget the marriage certificate. Forget that. But it's still not going to have the blessing of God on it. I mean, you want the blessing. Well, you have to think God's, God's way, the way of the king. But here's the interesting part. He knew that the whole time. He knew that the whole time. He was afraid. So, well, don't act on fear. I would back up and wait. Back up and wait and pray. And take it a step at a time. We have to cross this line. It's, it's really intentional. And we live in a world full of broken promises. Full of disappointment. Full of heartache. Full of pain. We live in a world where uh, a person's word doesn't mean anything anymore. We live in a, a world where people will try and get ahead at the cost of someone else. It doesn't matter. We live in a world where mom and dads, they, they take a solemn vow before an assembly, before God and before each other, before family, before friends. But then when the problems and the challenges 
become inconvenient. They trade covenant for convenience and they say, forget it. And then they have kids, they have witnesses as an example, broken promises, broken vows before God. And then the children have to say, can I trust God? Can I trust Him? Can I trust again? But here's something we have to remember. God has never broken His promise to you. He's never, ever let you down. His love to you is always constant. And Father always knows best. He's in love with you. So we have to cross this intentionally. I have to make up my mind. I have to choose. Well, Pastor, I don't feel like I can choose His will. Yes, you can make a decision, choose His will, but understand it's still His grace, His ability that empowers you to fulfill His will. Don't wait. So I can't do this. Well, that's the reason Christ came for you. That's the reason He died for us. To give us grace, His ability, that you can do what He's called you to do. He's just waiting on your decision to humble yourself and say, you know what? I'm a part of your kingdom and you're the king and what you say, that's the rule of my heart, my life. That's my final answer. Yes, God. You said it? Yes, God. Bless those that despitefully use me. Bless them. Forgive. You don't know what they did to me, Lord. Forgive them. Forgive. Don't mean you have to hang around them. It's easier to forgive and pray for some people from a distance. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad he didn't say move in with them? Get as close as you can. Go wherever they're working. Get a job there. See them every chance you can. No, no. You can forgive in your heart from a distance. You can bless them with prayer. The other day I was, I was praying for my kids and grandkids and, and, and family and, and this family. But when I was praying for my kids, the Lord said, that's the greatest blessing that you can give them. I said, Lord, what? He said, that's the greatest blessing because you're giving me avenue to flow in their life. God. And I consider it an honor. There's been people in this congregation that the Lord's laid in my heart to pray for. And you know what? I felt so blessed and honored afterwards that God would allow me to lift them up to Him. To a father so good. I want you to know your prayers are effective and they're working. And it blesses people. It makes a difference. We're all on a journey of knowing him. One thing I can say is my testimony. Whatever I put under his dominion or his rule, his will, is blessed. It's a blessing. When I pull out from under his dominion, I found that it's painful. It's painful. 
And you start learning that after a few times of just the pain of it. What is preaching? What is teaching? What is the word to, to invite or create an environment for God's will to be released in the earth or God's kingdom rule to be released into the earth? You have God's permissive will and you have God's purposed will. See, it's not God's will that people be murdered. It's not God's will that a, a teenager walks into a school and just starts shooting people. It's not God's will that, that people go through divorce. It's not God's will that we have uh, racial problems. It's, it's not God's will that there's hatred. It's not God's will. But there's a permissive part. What's that permissive part? Well, I thought, Pastor, I thought God was in control. He is in control, but God is not controlling. God is not out of control. He's in control, but he's not controlling. He gives you a free will. We're not puppets that he's pulling the string, you know. We have a free will. We choose to walk with him or not to. We have choices to make. And we make those choices daily. Which way will we go? So you, you don't have to be angry anymore. You don't have to be impatient anymore. You can change. See, being a pastor, there's, you know, there's times like, this is difficult. But then there's times you see God and you see Him changing lives. And you see miracles. I, just a changed heart. A changed life. Only God can do that. He can change our hearts and change our lives. But see, we've got to represent Him well. We've got to bring the kingdom. He, he said, pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're to bring heaven. We're to bring the kingdom. And when it says, pray His kingdom come, it means to rule and reign in my life. Of his kingdom, his ways, his will in my life. We know that Lucifer had the five I wills. He said, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high God. He tried to take the king's place. Well, I would never do that. We've all done it. Where we said, my will, not your will. I'm going to do it my way. I don't care what you say. We've all done it. Thank God for the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. That he took our disobedience for us. What happened to, to Lucifer? He lost his place in heaven. Because let me tell you what heaven really is. Heaven is a place where God's perfect will is always done. That's heaven. And when Satan sinned, he didn't do the will of the Father. He lost his place in heaven. This earth is a mess because the will of God is secondary, not primary. Any place in your life that's a mess is because God's will is not primary, it's secondary. And God wants us to be blessed. 
In John 9, 1 through 5, it says, Now as Jesus passed, he saw a man who was blind from his birth. Disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents? They was born blind. Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed to him. I must work the works of him who sent me while his day. The night is coming when no one can work. As long as I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. Born blind. Disciples say, well, who sinned? And you realize when Jesus was in there, all have sinned. (laughs) Everyone has sinned. Everyone in this place listening to me right now has sinned. Recently. (laughs) You haven't always walked in love. You haven't always walked in faith because anything that's not of faith is Sin. And I don't know if you thought about it. It's a dumb question anyway. It sounds very reasonable, I guess, in, in one way. Jesus, who sinned that this man is born blind? The parents or this man? What? This man? You mean to tell me that this man sinned in the womb and that caused him to be born blind? How much sinning can you do in the womb? Was he in there smoking a cigar and drinking vodka? Gambling, you know, in the womb? And Jesus probably going, "Oh, oh, Father, what a bunch you gave me. But Jesus said, neither, but that the works of God may be known. He came and he healed the man. And see, that's where we are. We want this church, we want our lives to be a place where people can come and receive answers. That the presence of God, the power of God's released. That things change forever. What a question these guys asked. And then John 9, 6, when he had said these things, he found the ground made clay with saliva. He anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay, said to him, go wash in the pool of Shalom, translated sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. Jesus did the will of Father. We're to do the will of Father, the will of God. When we pray, we create an opportunity for someone to have a glimpse or a touch from heaven. That we create an opportunity for God to intervene in their hearts and in their lives. That they can see and know Him. And I, I'm telling we've all known people that have, have died of sickness and disease and we want to see you know, the power of God. We've all known people that have died of cancer. But I tell you, there, there is good news that they did not carry that cancer to heaven. See, even if it looks like you lost here, you still win. Because you can't lose of God. Father, make sure you win. And here's the good news. You've won for eternity. For eternity you've won.
in Luke 5, 17, I'm just, uh, it said, Now it happened a certain day he was teaching that there was Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who had come out of every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. I just don't want to be a church that doesn't have his presence. That everywhere we go, we're saying that God is alive. He still does miracles. He can take your mess and give you a testimony. That he does heal. That he does change hearts. He does redeem marriages. He does resurrect those things that are dead in your life. That he's a good father. A good God. And if you will walk with him, you'll be blessed. A presence. His presence. Just like during our worship. It, it can be just a moment that you know what? You tap in and every care, every fear, every worry, no matter what you're facing, doesn't matter. Because you see him on the throne. You see the king. You see him as he really is. That he's got your life. And you're under his kingdom rule. And he's your daddy. He's your father. Bible says the kingdom of God does not come by observation. See, it really comes by participation. We, it's an invisible kingdom that's on the inside of us. And what we're doing this time of year, we're making sure all the blockages that would cause us to represent Jesus wrong are out of the way. And we're saying, Lord, I surrender my will to your will. And here's the thing, it's a dangerous prayer because he'll speak to you and he'll show you some things that need to change. Well, pastor, not me, there's nothing I need to change. You just proved there's some things that need to change. We all have places that need to change. Here's a church in South Korea, Dr. Cho. I may have heard of it. One million people in that church. Every 16 minutes of every day, they plant another church. They have 24-hour prayer, seven days a week, 365 days a year on a place called Prayer Mountain. And they're praying for the United States. They're praying for the nation's. You don't get counseling there. If you want to meet with the pastor, first you have to go do three days of prayer and fasting and go to Prayer Mountain. And they have these tiny little boxes, things you, you get into, and it's just you and God. And they have very little counseling there. Because <laughs> you go pray and fast for three days before the Lord, you get your answer. And they're seeing the power of God each and every day. It's a prayer force because they submitted to him. They said the lowest time, like 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning, the lowest time there, there's at least 8,000 people praying and interceding before God. Well, they have a million people in their church. <laughs> in Matthew 17, 14... It says that 
Jesus had been on the Mount Transfiguration. He comes down, and there's a young man who uh, has a, a demon. The disciples cannot cast it out. And Jesus comes, and he asks the Father, you know, what's going on? said, he throws himself in the water in the fire. I brought him to the disciples. They couldn't do anything. said, they could not. They wanted to, but they could not. And they came to Jesus and they said, why couldn't we? And really the answer that the church gives is, it's because I'm Jesus, the son of the living God. That's not what Jesus said. He said, you're a faithless and perverse people, uh, disciples. He said, you're faithless and perverse. And faithless means they hadn't submitted their will and Perverse meant indulgence of the flesh had overwhelmed their system. And he said, it's because of your unbelief. Your unbelief. It's unbelief they didn't even know was there. But it was preventing them from representing God or bringing forth the kingdom of God. He said, this kind only comes out through prayer and fasting. Instead of indulging the flesh, you deny the flesh. And you spend time with the Lord. And where you could not, now you can. And it wasn't praying and fasting to defeat the enemy. It was praying and fasting, spending time with God to defeat those areas of our heart that were not submitted to God. Or there was unbelief. Or the flesh had taken over. So during this time of year, it's important that you do something called the prayer of consecration. When Jesus Christ was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he, he prayed the prayer. He always went and prayed alone, but this time he brought the three disciples with him. You know what happened then? They fell asleep. Based before God the Father, he said... Father, if this cup can pass, let it pass. But if not, your will, not mine. It's a prayer of consecration. It's a rendering or turning over of my will to his will. There's certain things, we know a lot of things that is his will, the word is his will. But this, just a surrendering of your heart and saying, God, your will in my life. I submit to you as my king and as my father. And you know, you may not understand. You may not see exactly what you think you will see. But I can tell you this, one day we will stand before him and our little 10% of the brain that we use will be 100% and we're going to be blown away at the love of Father. We're going to be blown away at his plan and his strategy in our hearts and in our lives. And see, we've got to represent him. We've got to love even when people are unlovely towards us. We've got to not retaliate and come back at the same way the world is, is acting. We've got to come back. The Bible says they would know us by our love. First, the love we have for one another. 
and that will make the difference. See, we can't lose our voice by acting like the world. We have to act like our king. We have to act like our master. So I want you to bow your heads for just a moment. And I want you to pray this prayer. I want you to, first of all, I'm going to give an invitation for those who have never accepted the Lord. So I want to give you an opportunity to do that. And let me say, I I believe it was in your notes, if you've been uh, infected with unbelief, you become ineffective. Ineffective. We want to be effective. If today you never called upon Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you come just the way you are. There's nothing that you can do, nothing good or bad, to disqualify you from the loving grace of Father. He says, come as you are and receive Him. He will take you into his family. The Bible says you'll be adopted as his very own. He loves you. Maybe you prayed this prayer before, but you realize you're disconnected and you need to connect back with Father. You can get in on this prayer also. No one looking around. I'm not going to ask you to come down here right now. At the end of service, we'll have prayer partners. I want you to come down then and receive prayer. But if that's you, just lift up your hand and say, that's me. I want prayer. And we'll pray together. And you can accept him. Yes. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Any others? Thank you, Lord. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. What a great day to come to Jesus. Let's pray together. Say, dear God, thank you for Jesus Christ who came and died for me that I could go to Father, that I could be adopted into the family of God. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for being a good Father. I receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I believe he died on the cross and was raised from the dead for me. Thank you for saving me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Empower me to live this life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for these that received the Lord. Now, I want you to bow your heads. No, I don't want you to bow your heads. If you're, you want to pray this prayer of consecration, dedicating this new year to His will be done in your life, not your will, His will, I want you to stand up. We're going to pray this together. If not, stay seated. That's, that's fine. Don't you lift your hands. Father, I thank you for these that are joining together. We're joined in faith. God, life is too short for our own will to prevail in our lives. It's too short for that. We're all in. We want your will. We want your plan. We want your purpose in our lives. 
So right now, we pray a prayer of dedication. God, your will. Just say this. God, your will. Father, your will. Not my will. Your will be done in my life. Not my will. I submit to you as my king and as my father. I know you love me. I know you have my best interest at heart. And you're for me. You created me. And you have thoughts towards me. To give me a hope. And give me a future. Thank you Lord. I pray this prayer. And I give you free access. To any area of my heart. Any area of my life. You put your finger on it Lord. And I will say. Your will, not my will. And I thank you that you strengthened me to fulfill this decision from my heart today. And I thank you for this new year. I thank you, Lord, for seeing my loved ones come to you. I thank you for every salvation, every healing, every deliverance, every freedom, every marriage restored, every marriage born. Thank you, God, for ministering in every facet of my world and helping me to represent you as a God of love. Jesus' mighty name. Let's give God thanks. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662-890-1573 or toll free at 866-383-8277.